0: Good morning. We want to welcome you here to Redeemer and uh, glad you can be part of this time of worship Uh, the living God. And if you are visiting with us, we're so glad you could join us. We hope to um, get to know you a little bit better. Uh, One of the ways we do that is we have our little coffee time uh, after uh, the service and an opportunity to uh, meet a few people. Uh, But we also encourage you to text the word welcome to the number that's on the screen. It just gives us a record of you being here. Uh, If you'd rather use paper, there's a Connect card in the seat pocket in front of you. Uh, Today during our adult Sunday school hour, we have uh, the uh, Christian Education Policy Review, where uh, Pastor Jeff will be interviewing a couple of people, just giving a little bit more information about that, and we just hope that uh, you can uh, be there about 11 o'clock uh, here in the sanctuary, and then all of our other normal Sunday school classes for uh, children and youth. Uh, tonight, we also have our special praise service, a wonderful night of uh, uh, just a lot of extra music, a wonderful time of celebration of our great God, and um, ask you to uh, invite friends, neighbors, variety of people that you'd like to Uh, come and check out Redeemer. Tonight is a great night to invite them for that. And then uh, following that, we have our food and fellowship time. Uh, What to bring is listed there for you in the bulletin. Uh, We have coming up this week, uh, our new uh, AV equipment is going to be installed, which we're very excited about. Uh, It means there'll be a, a few changes that are going on here for a couple of weeks, just to be aware of that. But we're very confident that the final product will be very, very helpful to all that we try to do in uh, having excellence in in our worship and getting uh, the message of God's word clearly and uh, his music to his people uh, in a very clear way. Uh, The choir is also uh, planning to meet for uh, Easter service, and uh, if you would like to be a part of that choir, the practice dates are in the bulletin. Just be planning uh, ahead for that as well. Well, Let's take this moment now and prepare our hearts as we gather uh, before our God in worship. How often do you reflect on all the things that the Lord has done for you? Well, when we take the time to do that, we get overwhelmed by His amazing grace and His care for us. But every Sunday morning we get to do that together and think about the wondrous deeds of our God. The psalmist says in Psalm 9, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. We of all people have reason to rejoice because our King reigns. Let us stand and praise Him together. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we do come and rejoice in the fact of your gift of your one and only Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord Jesus, we praise you for your love uh, that you have poured out uh, to us as though we are sinners, you laid down your life in our place. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work in our hearts to draw us near uh, to yourself and to enable us. Uh, to be molded and shaped more and more into the image of Christ. And we are so grateful, Lord, that we get to uh, seek uh, your face this morning, that you have provided this time. And we thank you uh, that in seeking uh, the face of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that he is strong and kind. Amen. we can rejoice that the Savior that we come to worship this morning is indeed strong and kind, and as we come to confess our sins to Him, knowing that His strength can overcome all of our weakness, all of our wickedness, and His kindness welcomes us to the throne of grace. And we are going to use God's Word uh, as the words of our confession this morning. It's a responsive uh, confession, and so I will Uh, certainly pray the pastor part and then we'll all pray the all part together. Let us use God's Word to confess uh, our sins to our great God. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord." Well, I'm not quite sure how the Spirit of God may have worked in your heart through those particular words. Perhaps it was your, your ability to relate to being forsaken by your father and your mother. Maybe that was the last thing you could relate to, that you have a wonderful relationship with your father and your mother. Uh, but in the, for those that did not, uh, the Lord is the one that can fill that void, uh, be the one to draw near you to you in such a place and uh, with such pain. Uh, perhaps it is in the uh, phrase, waiting for the Lord. And if we didn't hear it the first time, he says it again, right? Wait for the Lord. And maybe this is a season in your life when he's encouraging you Uh, to do that. And uh, sometimes we try to run ahead of him. And maybe those are the things that we need to confess this morning. And so let us go to him in private prayer, considering uh, what we have uh, before the Lord with our own hearts. Let us pray together. Father, we acknowledge to you that we do not have enough moments of silence in our lives, that we tend to be very busy people, and sometimes we distract ourselves from time with you, and sometimes we just need that quiet and that silence. And we pray that you would set aside that time and that we would make that a priority with you. But Lord, as we reflect on the ways that we fall short in trusting your grace and your mercy is sufficient for us Uh, we also are mindful of running ahead and trying to do things our way trying to accomplish things that we might try to even please you and say look lord what i'm trying to do for you and lord we know that we fall short even our, our righteousness is filthy rags and so we come only because of the life death and resurrection of christ only having any confidence because of him not because of us And so we ask that you would forgive us our sins and enable us uh, to rejoice in your uh, wonderful uh, love that is demonstrated in blotting out all of our sin. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Lord, inspiring the prophet Isaiah, uh, said in chapter 44, I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you it's only possible because of Jesus and he is the one that we want to exalt in our time of worship and so as we sing together let us declare to him show us Christ please stand
1: In uh, Psalm 95.2, it says, Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. And that's what we've been doing this morning is praising our Lord and Savior in worship and song, in music and song. And now we bring prayers of thanksgiving. So please join me in a prayer of thanksgiving. Dear Lord and Father, we are so thankful for the ability to gather here, to greet your people. We're thankful that we can worship and sing praises to you with fellow believers. And Lord, that we can come and petition for continued blessings from your hand. Lord, you have blessed us with blessings beyond measure. We are thankful for the new life that's recently been born uh, in this church. And we're grateful and thankful for the new life that's anticipated over these next few months. We ask, Lord, that you would have healthy moms and healthy babies, and Lord, that they would grow up to be strong families that worship and serve you and put you above all. You've blessed us with lives that have been well lived, who have now gone to glory, uh, as we see with Ron Strikstra's mom. And Lord, we'd ask that you'd be with the entire Strikstra family as they mourn the loss of a loved one, but can rejoice that she had an assurance of salvation and was eager to see her Savior we are also thankful Lord for the seasons as we start to even see signs of spring even in the dead of winter as the days get longer Lord we are so thankful that you are a God of order that we can count on you we also give thanks for all the people who serve you by serving this body of believers We thank you, Lord, for all the support staff, so many people who go unnoticed and unthanked and yet work behind the scenes to make everything happen here, Lord, that becomes a benefit to those of us who gather together to serve you in this place. We thank you for the Sunday school teachers who give up their time to teach our young, for all the youth leaders of various ages and various groups to take time to point our children to you, We thank you for the elders and deacons of this church that are tasked with keeping the church healthy and whole and the body strong. We especially thank our pastors as they lead by serving. Today we'd ask that you be with Pastor Jeff as he brings your word today. Help him to have a clear mind, help our hearts to be opened and softened to your word that is new every day. Lord, we're just grateful for providing gifted people to lead and serve. And above all, Lord, we thank you for the gift of salvation. We know it's not something we deserve, but, Lord, it's purely a gift from your hand. Help us to honor you by loving you above all and love those made in your image. In thy name we pray. Amen.
2: This is the time we bring each other before our God in prayer. Um, you would notice perhaps from one of the communications sent out or um, perhaps you noted when uh, Duke prayed that we're going to pray this morning for the Strickstra family. Uh, Ron's mom, Marcelin, who is 98 years old, went to be with the Lord uh, this past week. We'll also pray for Dwayne Torrance. As many of you know, he underwent surgery this, pri- this previous week. And then we'll also uh, pray with the Braidaway family, Jared and Kaylee. Um, they've not been added to the new parents or expectant parent list yet because our office administrator, Jeanette, is somewhere in Mexico enjoying the sun, and so the bulletin was printed early, but we also give thanks along with them and others for the new lives that we anticipate in this church. So let's go to our God in prayer. Father, when we turn to you in prayer, you've promised to hear us, and that is the great confidence we have this morning. We look around our world and we see many places where there are trials and difficulties, wars and conflicts. And maybe it is our desire that all those would cease, and we pray to you this morning that in large ways, as well as small, that you would be at work. Father, we give you praise this morning that as Elijah... When he was very alone, called out to you, and you did not appear in the fire or the earthquake, but you came to him in a still small voice, that when we gather together for worship like this, even though it may not seem in many ways that something extraordinary has happened, there's nothing spectacular that we might notice. This is the place and the way in which you do your greatest work. As we listen to your word, we sing your word, we pray your word, we fellowship with other Christians Bit by bit, day after day, you cause us to grow and to be strong and to have confidence in our Savior Jesus. And Father, maybe what we're praying about is not so much the end but the means. If the means may seem very ordinary, the ends that you have in mind are spectacular. They are impressive. They are the greatest thing the world has ever seen. More spectacular even than the creating power of our God, that you've created everything out of nothing by the word of your mouth. Even greater than that is you sent your son into the world, your word embodied to bring new life into those who were far from you. You have recreated us, Lord. And if we have come here this morning, we don't know Jesus Christ. Show us who he is this morning. As we sang this morning, show us Jesus. We pray that you would. And for those of us who have known Christ for a long time, we have also come to see our Savior again, to hear his word. Because we've been through a week, and in that week a lot of things have happened, maybe really good things and joyful things, maybe difficult things that we have struggled through. Maybe we have even complained and been bitter about what you have done. But when we come here to worship you, we see you through your word. We come to know your grace again. We come to believe that our Savior, who is now seated at the right hand of our Father in heaven, is very much here by his Spirit. So be in the words that we sing and the songs that we offer. Be in our prayers, especially be with us as we hear your word. We give thanks and we also pray on behalf of those who this morning have reasons for joy as well as for sorrow. We pray along with the Braidaway family in thanksgiving that they are expecting a child. We praise you for them along with the other children who are expected in the next number of months. We rejoice for those who have recently been born, thank you, Lord, for adding to your church in this way as well. We pray for strength and for care for your, for your people, for the smallest of us to the oldest. Lord, would you give us great satisfaction in caring for our children and loving our spouses and being friends to those around us. May, be these, may these be the things that we treasure the most. We also pray along with Dwayne Torrance and ask for his healing as he recovers from surgery on Wednesday. Father, would you cause his healing to be even greater than he anticipates? May it be faster. May he gain more mobility. And we pray in the middle of this, you would remove any discouragement from him, that he would not feel alone or absent from you or his people, or your people, but instead he would know your kindness directly and also through the members of this church. And then we also pray for the Strickster family this morning, especially for Ron, but all of those who are affected by the death of his mom. Lord, she was a woman, Marceline, who was full of years, 98 years old. And what a precious moment to hear her say just a few hours before she passed that she is ready to see Jesus. Lord, may that be true for each one of us this morning. Even in her passing, may she give us a witness to the joy that we have when each one of us reaches the end of our lives, whether we've anticipated that or whether it comes suddenly. That if we are in Christ, our death is not something to be feared. But we look forward to being with our Savior face to face in glory. Lord, prepare, prepare us for that moment when our time comes. We also pray this morning for those who lead your church. Last Sunday morning, we prayed for the elders of this church This morning we pray for our deacons, for those men that you have called to serve and to care for us as the body of Christ, and to reach out into our community with the gifts that you have provided to our church, to care for those who are in need. Father, we pray for Andy Baker. We pray for Brian Bangba. We pray for John Sharp. We pray for Brad Orr. We pray for Alec Delang. We pray for Shane Hansen. We pray for Myron Palmer, and we pray for Joel Miedema. We pray for Matt Sturck. We pray for Timothy Wright. We pray for for Adam Gerleski. We pray for Nathan Wright. We pray for John Biker, and we pray for uh, for Will Grunendike. May these men be characterized by what is said about deacons in the New Testament, that they are full of the Spirit of God, willing and able to serve. We pray for those who are in the process of discerning whether you are calling them to be an elder or deacon and to be trained to serve us. Would you also give them wisdom? Father, it is a good thing to pray to you, even when it might feel to us as though our prayers are feeble, that they're not strong. They go up maybe to the ceiling of this building, and then they kind of die there. Father, if that's how we feel this morning, we are so grateful That the Word says that we have an advocate before our Father, Jesus Christ, that His Spirit can take our prayers. In fact, He does take our prayers, and He speaks to you in ways that we could not even understand. He knows our hearts and is able to bring these prayers before you in a way that is effective and powerful. And Lord, we thank you so much for that truth. For all the things that we cannot say publicly or would choose not to, but those things that are burdens in our heart, we also offer to you this morning. Father, you know them, you can hear them, you can heal our hearts, you can take these deep concerns and you can do something about them in a way that no one else can. And so we pray that you would and that we would have many reasons to give you praise as we watch you work. We do ask now that as we read your word, your spirit would be in this place. When John originally penned these words many, many years ago, they were based on what he had witnessed with his own eyes and what he had heard with his own ears, events and words that Jesus spoke and did. We are not going to see Jesus physically, but we will hear his words. And the way that we hear his words is through the power of your spirit who enabled John to write perfectly and clearly. And your spirit now will open our hearts to hear these as more than just words that come from some book. But these are the words of our God to us. And so we pray that you would give us understanding, clarity, and most of all, that you would lead us to know and to lean upon our Savior Jesus. And so we ask you this confidently in the name of our Savior. Amen. This morning we're turning in our Bibles again to the Gospel of John. If you turn to John chapter 13, verses 31 through 38, I'm very conscious of the fact that this time of year a lot of people are traveling, especially to warmer climates. If you're joining us this morning over the internet stream, I would tell you just as we begin preaching the Word, there was a small ray of sunshine that you're missing. And now it disappeared. If you are traveling, I would simply say that we miss you and look forward to the time that you come back, but we're also glad that either you can worship in another place with God's people or you can join us over the internet stream. Those are good things. So now we hear the word of God as it comes to us this morning from John chapter 13, beginning at verse 31, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. The Bible says, Isaiah says it, and it is repeated in the New Testament where the scriptures say the grass withers and the flower fades, but you know what it says? The word of God endures forever. There's nothing like this word. So hear our God as he speaks to you this morning. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. And this is the end of our reading this morning at a rather dramatic moment, as our Savior speaks to Peter. I want to take you back to the time when I was about 12 or 13 years old. If that happens to be your age or thereabouts, you can sympathize with what I'm about to tell you. When my parents would leave me a home alone at that age, my mother would always say, as they were walking out of the door, these words. She would say, and Jeffrey, then I knew it was important. She would say, and Jeffrey, don't go frying any eggs. The reason she said that, of course, was there may have been a time, a short time before that, when I tried frying eggs while they were gone and nearly burned down the house. That's a possible true story. (laughs) My mother would give me this instruction because she was setting an expectation while while they were gone. She would say, there's food in the fridge, finish your homework before you watch TV, don't answer the door unless it's someone you know, and don't fry those eggs. That setting of an expectation is a kind of thing that parents do for children before they leave the home and they leave them alone. It's also the thing that Jesus is doing in our passage. He is setting an expectation for his disciples, and really, it's a threefold expectation A set of expectations about what life would be like while he is gone. Or if I can just refine that a little bit, what it would mean to live as a follower of Christ while he is gone. And that threefold expectation is what I want you to hear this morning. And not just in terms of my explaining it to you from this passage, but here's the thing. You're living in the reality of the time in which that expectation was sent. This is about our time. This is our moment in time. So let me start first with verses 31 through 32. And here's the first expectation that our Lord gives before he leaves this earth. He says the first thing that we are to expect when he leaves this earth and the thing that will be true between then and when he comes back is that Jesus himself will be glorified. To really appreciate the reason I say that, you have to understand, of course, what else is going on around this passage. There are two things that I need to explain to you in terms of the broader view of this passage. The first is something I've repeated many times when I've preached from the Gospel of John, and that is to appreciate what's happening in this passage, you need to know what the point of John is overall. Isn't that always true in a story? You can't really identify what's happening here unless you know the whole story and where we're headed and what the point is. Well, this particular gospel, this book is meant to tell us about Jesus, but not just about Jesus, but John is constructing an argument about who Jesus is, showing us who he is, listening to his words, because he wants us to come to understand Jesus to the point that he is persuasive. He wants us to know Jesus in this regard for us to realize there's no one like Jesus. No matter where you look, no matter who you seek, there's no one in all the world like Jesus. So therefore, it's important, and even you're persuaded, to believe in Jesus himself, to put your trust in him. That's the point of the Gospel of John. The second thing I want you to know about this passage is where it comes in this particular part of this book of John. This is the beginning, this passage, of what we call the farewell discourse of Jesus, and it continues on to the end of chapter 16. So this is one set of words. It's one sort of time that Jesus speaks to his disciples. And if you would notice, this section and then the end of chapter 16 are very similar in terms of what they say. There's a lot of similarity in their content. The reason I'm stressing that is because these verses help us understand the general themes of what will come next in the next few chapters. And as I've said, one of those big themes that is not only true in this section and it's not only true in the whole farewell discourse, but it's also true about Jesus' expectation throughout the time when he would leave and he would come back as this, that great expectation is that Jesus himself will be glorified. Now one of the things I think it's really important to say about this theme that Jesus would be glorified is that that sounds very much like language you might have heard in the church a long time and yet you might not know what that means. There are certain words that we use in the church that are really good words. They're biblical words. They come from this passage. But we might not understand really what they mean it's a little bit like this you've met somebody before perhaps a number of times and then when that person comes up to you maybe before church starts and says hello Jeff in your mind you're thinking I recognize you but I don't really know your name the same thing can happen with a word like glorify we know something about it but what does it actually mean the word is a word that Christians use a lot And it's not only a word that we use, it's a word that's used in the Bible a lot. This is the fifth time in the Gospel of John that Jesus talks about being glorified. The last time he uses this phrase, I will be glorified, is in chapter 12. If you have a Bible and you turn back there, you'll notice he talks about being glorified in verse 22 of chapter 12 and then also in verse 28. What's important about that place in the Bible is it says the Son of Man will be glorified. Of course, the Son of Man referring to himself, it's one of his titles. The phrase, the description, Son of Man, is taken from the Gospel, not from the Gospel, from the prophet of Daniel in the Old Testament. And in Daniel in the Old Testament, when we see the Son of Man, he's presented as one who is sitting on a throne. He is full of power and majesty. There's all kinds of indications from the passage that everyone can see him and they are so thoroughly impressed with who the Son of Man is that they cannot help but worship him. He is power. He is strength. He is holy. He is good. He is kind. All those things that are most laudable and good belong to the Son of Man. So that when Jesus is identified in the Gospels, especially in the Gospel of John, as being the Son of Man, we are to think of him in terms of the way the Old Testament introduces him. That is, one who is lifted up and obvious to everyone, full of all those good things. We are to be impressed with him. So that if you were to ask me, Pastor Jeff, what does it mean for the Son of Man? This is Jesus. To be glorified, for me to glorify Jesus, it is to recognize and be impressed with who Jesus is. That's all it means to glorify. So that you see who Jesus really is, you are impressed with him, and you say, I have no other response but to worship you. That's what it means to glorify Jesus. But there is a second thing that we must understand about this theme that Jesus will be glorified as well. And that comes in verse 32, which is a very complicated verse. It's kind of hard to understand, and I want to explain it to you rather simply. It says if God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him and himself and glorify him at once. There are three different phrases there, and you say, Well, what does that mean? That's a very compact use of the English language. Of course, he was written originally in Greek. And there are a couple of things about what Jesus says that are key to understand and how they contribute to the notion that Jesus will be glorified. Jesus is referring in that last word of that phrase now to what's about to happen. In the few chapters that follow, if you don't know what the rest of the gospel of John says, I'll just give away the story to you, and that is Jesus is tried, convicted, and crucified. And Jesus is saying in this verse, verse 32, that God himself is not glorified, but God himself is glorified in Jesus we see how spectacular and how worthy of worship Jesus is, and by extension, how worthy of worship God himself is by the death of Jesus Christ. Now, I have to say to you, even though I've been a Christian for now 50-some years, and I've been a pastor for 20-some years, the notion that somebody would be impressive because they die still strikes me as strange. Most of the people we admire are people who are successful and do great things. When I was growing up, Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player in the world. He probably still is, to disappoint some of you. But nobody admired Michael Jordan because he went out for basketball as a freshman when he was in high school and didn't make the team. We don't look at him and say, well, now there's someone that we really admire. We should glorify Michael Jordan. No, it's after many titles and scoring thousands of points and leading his team to victory over and over and over that we say, now there's a man that we really, really respect and honor. The person in your life who's the greatest salesman in your company. The person who runs for political office and wins. These are the people we admire. But Jesus, by contrast, is in a different category. It is not the external success in the way the world would ordinarily measure things that Jesus succeeds in, what Jesus does that is unlike any other person is that Jesus gives himself and in so demonstrates a grace that is unlike any other grace and love that the world knows. Imagine the most powerful being you will ever know that is God himself coming and dying in your place That you might be free someone who's absolutely perfect giving himself for you in all of the ways that you have shown yourself less to best than perfect giving himself freely because of his love there's no one like jesus no one else does that can i be honest i don't even want to do that for my own family there are times when i look at my wife and my children and i think why would i give myself for them i'm so much better What an ugly truth. To be gracious even in the smallest things in life is so incredibly difficult for us. I get cut off in the interstate and I get angry. I can't even be gracious in my driving. Jesus is gracious to me even though he sees me exactly who I am. And it is the power of God in the grace of Jesus Christ That is what God desires to glorify in him. It is through that death, through the grace that Christ offers, that he will overcome sin and death and everything in this world. An instrument of human cruelty and injustice becomes a spectacular sign of Jesus' tenderness and victory when Jesus dies on the cross. I know I have to keep moving. There's a part of me that just wants to stay on that point and say it over and over and over again. Because no matter what else I say in this sermon, your heart needs to know that grace. There's not a human being alive who's gotten past the point of needing to hear the grace of Jesus Christ. You need it. I need it. We need to believe it. We need to trust in the God who gives it, and then we can be at peace. And that is the thing that Jesus says in these first couple of verses that will be the theme from the time that he dies until the time that he returns. What our God desires is that his son be glorified, be recognized and worship for who he is because of that grace. Because of his death and resurrection in our place. That is what our God desires to do. Now, if I can just pause there for a moment, you might think to yourself, well, what difference does that make? Really, what difference does that make? That's God's great desire now that Jesus Christ be glorified. If I can just be very much in the moment, it is God's desire that in this moment, Jesus Christ should be glorified, that God the Father would be glorified, that Jesus would be glorified in him, and that we would give expression to that glory in the worship that we're offering to him this morning. As I was reflecting on this truth earlier in the week, you may be aware that last Sunday there was a football game, there was a lot of attention paid to that football game, and there's a question that always arises, in my mind at least, when something like that happens, why do people care so much? Why is it such a big deal? There are circumstances around it, you know, parties and the commercials, all that kind of thing. But why do humans care so much about that game? Let me suggest to you there's a very good reason for that. It's the same feeling you had when you were in Little League and you won your championship. Or it's the same feeling that you have when you are on a team of salespeople and you not only meet your quarterly goal, you blow right past it. It's the same feeling that you have when you're in a choir and you're singing a beautiful piece of music and your voice is blending with everyone else's. Or if you're in an inch playing an instrument and you're leading worship and as things blend together, it's not just you doing it, but you're doing it with other people and there's something greater than yourself happening. We have the natural built in desire as human beings, as those created beings, to be part of something that is greater than ourselves. And that's what leads to the attractiveness in a great sporting event or being part of a team or being successful and others recognizing it. We want to be part of something greater than ourselves. We are never enough in ourselves. And what Jesus offers to us in the first great theme of this in-between time is that that can be true for you. If I can just put it this way, your life is not just what you make of it. That is a great lie that you're told. Make something of your life. Be your true self. Optimize who you are. If you do, you'll be happy. Be honest. Have you tried that? It's not working. No matter how hard you try to become your truest self and to use every opportunity in order to bring happiness and peace, it will never be found. Because God has designed us to want something more than who we are. And what Jesus is offering in this first theme is that's exactly what we can be a part of. We can bring honor and praise to one who is great and more gracious than anyone else. It's more spectacular than the Super Bowl by infinite proportion. Is a kingdom of Christ himself. Let me tell you how significant that is, and then I need to move on. You could be the most humble person in this world. I think in my mind of a man I know who started working at a corner gas stop when he got out of high school, and he was still working that job when he was 50 years old. And when I went out for lunch with him, he said, Pastor, I feel like my life's not very successful. I've always been stuck here. You can leave aside any question of whether he should have tried to find another job. That's not the point. What I could offer to him in that conversation is if you are using your ability, you're serving people, you're honoring God in your work, even the most humble place in which you serve him is an offering to a being greater than who you are. Even if you feel yourself a total failure in life, to know Jesus Christ and to glorify him makes you connected to one who is so much greater than you, your life can have a deep purpose that otherwise will escape you. Do you believe that? Maybe you're an older person and you look back and you've had all kinds of failures. Maybe your kids don't know the Lord or your business failed or whatever it is. You reach the end of your life, you look back and you think to yourself, what have I really done with my life? Let me ask you this question, have you glorified Jesus Christ? If you have, you've recognized him for who he is. You have given him worship in your life. Your life is not a failure, my friend. Your life is a wild success, way beyond what anyone may ever recognize. And in the, between the time that Jesus left this world and the time that he comes back, what Jesus is telling us in verses 31 and 32 is that God will be glorified as we glorify his son, Jesus Christ. I've got to move on now to the second theme. Even though I would say to you, if we had all time in the world, I'd keep talking about the first one. But let me move on to the second one. This is in verses 33 through 35. What's the second great theme or expectation? The second one is built upon the last or the first, Jesus now it talks about one particular way in which he will be glorified. We will recognize him for who he is. We will see his grace in action. We will see the love of Christ in a way that is tangible. How do we bring Christ that glory? Look at verses 33 through 35. Jesus says, I'm leaving and you won't be able to go with me. He says he's going to the cross and then he will ascend to heaven. That's where he's going. You can't follow me now. And instead of following me physically, what he does is he gives a new commandment to them. He says in verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This may come, it seems, out of the blue. It's not out of the blue at all. It builds upon that first expectation, that first theme of the time in between. If the first theme is Christ will be glorified, that's what this time in history is about. The second thing he says is one of the primary means by which Jesus is glorified. What is that? How is Jesus glorified? How do we see Jesus for who he is? We see Jesus for who he is in the life of his disciples. Through the body of Jesus Christ, the church. In fact, Jesus goes so far to say, even though the world will not see me any longer, physically I will be gone. It does not mean that I will be absent. The way that Jesus is present with us now is by his spirits living and moving, leading us into truth through his scriptures, but by leading and moving the body of Christ to follow him. to put it this way jesus has not left us without evidence of his work no the evidence of the work of jesus christ in this world is embodied in the people of god you are as paul says his workmanship created in christ jesus you are the evidence to the world that the grace of jesus christ is powerful and effective and real You, again, are not a person among many people, almost disposable, very irrelevant. No, you are, if you belong to Jesus Christ, you are the clearest evidence the world will ever see that the spirit of Jesus Christ is still moving and acting now. As I have loved you, you also should love one another. Jesus says this is a new command. The new command is not that they'd never heard it before. That commandment is found in the Old Testament over and over. It's found earlier in the Gospels. What does Jesus mean when he says it is a new command? What is new is the clear connection between that first theme that I noted. That is that Christ will offer himself for us as a clear illustration of the grace that he has As Christ has loved us, now also we are to love each other. As Christ shows us grace and offers himself in our place. In the previous part of this chapter, Jesus has shown his disciples how to serve each other. Now Jesus says, as I have loved you, so also you must love each other. The call to love is not new. But the connection between the love that he shows to us and the love that we show to others, that's going to be shown in a new way. That's going to be demonstrated in a way the world had never seen. They had never seen the Son of God die on behalf of his people. And as Christ died, he created a body of his disciples to follow after him with the same love. And I would tell you, in between the time that Jesus left and the time that he's coming back, not only does God design, it is his expectation that Jesus would be glorified, but here's the second thing, it is God's expectation he would be glorified in the church, in you. If that hasn't been your experience in the church, at some point I'd love to sit down and talk to you and really what I want to do is grieve with you that that's the case. That stinks. The place where we should know the love and mercy of God in a way incomparable within the Church of Jesus Christ, the church sometimes functions in exactly the opposite way. It's noteworthy to say that, to acknowledge it and to say, "That's wrong." Perhaps you even come from a background where there's so much emphasis on truth, truth, truth that you haven't experienced the speaking the truth in love. That the truth absent love is not what Christ intends. Please, 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 my friend, pray that God would preserve in our church that spirit of love. We want to pursue the truth I'm hopefully giving you truth this morning, but if it's truth absent love, that truth becomes a hammer to beat people, not a truth that's winsome and pulls people to Christ. Again, I'm not praying you, I'm not asking you to pray that you would ask God for that love and distinction to following the commandments of God or fearing God or being theologically accurate. I don't want any of those things to be true about our church, that we, would di- that we would be diverted from any of those things. We should be theologically accurate. We should pursue the truth. But what I'm asking is what Jesus is asking in this verse, that as we pursue those things, they would be done in love that we would seek what is just and true in the eyes of God while loving others in a way that imitates as Christ has loved us. I'm going to challenge you now in this moment. I'm guessing as you listen to this sermon, if you've been here for any period of time, it's not hard for you to think about another person or people in this church that you could express that love and kindness to. Perhaps it's someone who's struggling with an illness. Maybe it's somebody with a job change. Maybe it's the ordinary work of parenting, raising little kids... If you're watching someone else do that, and you say, oh, they sure need the encouragement of the love of Christ. Maybe it's a friend who's struggling through something very deep. What am I called to? Who am I? What am I supposed to do in this world? Maybe it's somebody with financial problems. Maybe it's someone entering a new phase of life. Maybe it's someone who is being persistent in the little things and you see it and rejoice with them. Maybe it's the person who always says hi to you when you see them. Whoever the person is that comes to mind you this morning when I say, Show them the love that Christ has shown to you. Go ahead and show them that love. Don't just listen to me say it to you this morning. James says, not only be a hearer of the word, be a doer. And if loving each other as Christ has loved us is one of the things that Jesus says should be true between that time he leaves and he comes back, be the people who show that love. In fact, I want to challenge you to the point That you show that love that when people who don't know Jesus Christ look at the life of the church, they would say, I am impressed with the love they have for each other. Or if I can even add to that, there is no place where the love of Christ is shown. The love that people have for each other is shown like the church of Jesus Christ. Fulfilling what is Jesus' expectation for us. Between the time and the left, he left, and the time he's coming back. This second theme, loving each other as Jesus has loved us. As we do that, Christ himself is glorified. Which brings me to the third theme, and this comes in verses 36 through 38. It almost sounds out of place with the other two themes. It's Simon Peter missing it seems jesus's call to love one another he gets stuck on the part where jesus says i'm leaving peter's like what you're leaving let aside the question of how we are to love each other just let me focus a moment on the fact you're leaving you said you're leaving right how is that possible I want to go with you wherever you go. I will be with you. I am a faithful disciple. Even if it means laying down my life, I can do it with you, Jesus. I am with you to the end. Just let me inside what's happening, what's going to occur. Give me the inside scoop so I can be with you, Jesus. I am here for you. (laughs) If you know the rest of the story of John, the rest of what happens between now and Jesus is jesus's crucifixion it can't help but bring a smile to your face last sunday morning we looked at the betrayal of judas and i said one of the things you'll notice is that judas is intentionally contrasted with peter from now to the end of john judas betrays jesus peter denies jesus judas betrays him once peter denies jesus one two three times When you read this and you hear the bold confidence of Peter, doesn't it bring a smile to your face? Here's Peter so confident that he's going to be able to help Jesus out. He's going to be able to support him in the middle of this. Jesus is going to be rough. I'll be there for you. Just let me know what we're going to do together, Jesus. And then we read the rest of what happens in Peter's life and we say that. That's a fraud. Peter doesn't follow through. In fact, the honest evaluation of Peter is that he can't. Knowing the contrast between the boldness of Peter, that since he wants to help Jesus, he wants to be there with him, he can do what Jesus is going to do. That bold confidence is not something that belongs only to Peter, friend. It also belongs to you and me. We look at the cause of Christ and we say, Oh, I will do it for you, Jesus. I will glorify you. I will love your people like no one else has loved. Just let me know what i got to do, Jesus. I can do it. I can do it. You're going to be so proud of me. Only to be honest, on a Sunday morning will come and. We confess our sin and you replay in your mind your lustful thoughts, the words you said that you shouldn't, your deep struggles, the things that were unkind, your selfishness. How is it going friend partnering with Jesus? Are you holding up your end of that deal? It is the grace of Jesus in this moment that keeps him from simply piling on Peter and telling him exactly what's going to happen. The irony in what Peter says is that this one who so boldly proclaims, I will lay down my life for you, later on when he asks, is asked, and do you follow him? Peter's like, Who? I don't know who that is. The boldness disappears. Isn't that true? The boldness disappears often in the face of the difficulty of life. And the reason this is a great theme of the time between Jesus leaving and Jesus coming back, the reason this is the beginning of Jesus' farewell address is to emphasize to you and me this morning, Jesus doesn't need you. That is a very sharp thing to say. It strikes in my sense of self-importance. There is nothing more that I would like than for you to tell me after the service, Jesus could never do this without you. You're so key. You're so gifted, Pastor. Your sermons are always so excellent. You're always there in pastoral situations. Aren't you great, Pastor? The church would probably fail. The kingdom of Christ would fail. Jesus could never do his work if it wasn't for you. That's a lie. The beauty of our Savior Jesus is that Jesus will be glorified. He will be glorified in our love for each other. He will persist in doing that work even through our failures. That's how great his grace is. It's that great. There's no grace like it. It's incomparable. There's no human being who can offer you that grace. There's no other being who sets out to glorify himself through the love that he has for a failed people. So how does this book help us understand, how does this section, rather, help us understand the great purpose of this book? It gives us, first of all, an understanding of the purpose that God has in Jesus Christ while Jesus is not physically here. There is a great deal of purposelessness in life, friend. May that not be true for you. This passage tells you that your purpose is to glorify Jesus Christ. Maybe God will call you to do that by being a missionary somewhere, or being a pastor of a church of all crazy things. But that's not necessary for you to glorify Jesus you can glorify Jesus by serving Him well wherever God has put you. If He's made you five years old this morning and what it means to glorify Him is learning in school, add and subtract, that's what it means. If He has placed you as a mother or father, a grandma or grandpa, use that place that He has given you to glorify Jesus Christ. If He's put you in a place where you can have influence for others, do that. Wherever God has put you, do not look at it simply as a place for you to reside until this is all over. You have a great purpose in your life, friend, and your purpose is to glorify Jesus Christ, to show the greatness of who He is. And if you want to know one particular way, the greatest way to glorify Jesus, it is this. It is to love each other with the love that Jesus has shown us. A love full of grace and kindness. That song that we sang, Jesus, full of tender love for us. Love each other that way. Demonstrates that the love of Jesus is here through the love that can only be found in the church. And then finally, this passage tells you God is not dependent on you he will use you he will care for you he loves you but he's not dependent on you he is as gracious he is as gracious to you as he was to peter the denier those are the things my friends that god desires you for to know between here and there those are the expectations jesus has Receive them with joy. Let's bow in prayer. Father, it is good to hear your word and to think about its truth. Again, I pray for my own heart and the hearts of everyone who is here that as we have listened to your word, it would not skip off the hard surface of our hearts, but instead it would go deep into who we are and what we value, what we treasure, what we are pursuing. And there would be nothing more precious to us than our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for his love that he has poured out We pray it would always be demonstrated in this body. And Father, in our failure even, we look to our Savior Jesus who is full of grace and kindness. Lord, draw us to him. Make it inevitable that we would see him as unlike anyone else and we would trust and lean upon him as John himself did. Father, hear this prayer and answer it, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you. of things to help you navigate after the service. If you would like an elder or two to pray for you, there will be some up here on my left as soon as the uh, last song is sung. After that song is finished, the children who are in Sunday school are asked to come to the front for singing. If you've never been to Sunday school singing before, Sunday school period, you're welcome to come. After they're finished singing, they go to their classrooms in the back and they are there until quarter to twelve. You also heard the announcement that in this space, We'll be talking about a new policy for our church to assist parents with Christian education. You're welcome to come back here. There'll be sheets, question and answer time. So receive this blessing from the Lord as you leave. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his great peace. And all God's people said, Amen you.